welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're going to talk about the NFL draft, specifically the Kansas City Chiefs, because guess what? The NFL draft is in Kansas City, as you all know, because you all are listening and love the Chiefs here. So we're really excited. We got a jam-packed episode, but before we do that, Reese, how you doing today, man? What's what's up? How's how's the week been? Dude, spring is here, by which I mean it's like finally really nice weather outside. I know everyone's like, oh, you like the weather in the Midwest. What's, what's really nice weather? Dude, yeah, it's, it's great weather. It's fantastic. Um, and I say that because I am not going to doubt that we might have like a five to seven day stretch where suddenly it's like 45 to 47 and overcast and kind of drizzly again because that's, you know, that happens every April. But I think we're done, done with, oh, guess what? Today's going to be, you know, 32 to 35 degrees and just like windy, bull, crappy, garbage, sleety. Messy. Are you sure about that? Um, you know what? If Buffalo Mike were here, I would actually probably bet him on that. Yeah, <laughs> because Buffalo Mike's from Buffalo, or because he bets. Because he bets. Like you know, he's 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 the oh, Fountain okay. City sports bookie. <laughs> That's true. He is. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So what? How? How? But like, uh, how hot is it in Kansas City? Are we talking forties, fifties, sixties, seventies? Oh, it, it was straight up eighty-two today, and uh, I think what? A, yeah, and a couple days ago it was like. 77 in april oh yeah it's it's been a it was a really mild winter i think we had one serious snowfall that stuck and that was that one that like the entire midwest got over christmas i think even colorado we had gotten some of that but like once that melted it was a very temperate winter there was i mean it was still you know like winter temperatures like high 20s low 30s and you know rainy sleety bull crap but Nah, dude. It, I think spring is sprung, and Bowie's happy. I'm happy. The days are longer. I'm more productive. It's brewery season again. Hey, that's crazy, man. I that that's why I miss Kansas City because I, I forget how mild those winters are and like how dramatic the the snow shutdowns are in Kansas City. Oh like, yeah, there's like literally no snow on the ground. Although I will say, the one time where it was very like icy was one time when I like. I came to visit you at Boulevard and it was like a Monday or Tuesday and they, it was a snow day um, or an ice day. Yeah. And you were like, hey, dude, there's no one here at Boulevard. Come hang. And I was like, all right, cool. So like I went over, had a couple beers and then I was going back, dude. And I, I slid twice down that hill. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that hill, you know, going from Boulevard all the way back to like Westport. Yeah. There's, it like goes up and down. I forget. It's not Southwest Boulevard, but um. I forget what street it is, but man, that was scary. No, I believe it. Yeah, the Kansas City's just like, yeah, it's not bad enough here to like actually invest in snow plows. So I think like the episode of The Simpsons, Mr. Plow, where everyone's like an independent snow plowman actually took place in Kansas City because like there's there's like two city sanctioned <laughs> plows. Everyone else is just some dude with like a Dodge 2500, like pushing a, a plow around with a salt <laughs> extension sticking out of his tailpipe, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that here in here in Colorado. They they do a really good job of clearing the streets because like it, I it's, so the reason why I told you, are, are you sure that it's not going to snow anymore? It snowed a lot today here in Colorado. What? Dude, I had like I had like two inches of snow in my backyard. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. It's like always windy here. But like if you mix that with like even a little bit of snow, it starts to pack up because the snow's just like hammering down. Wow. That's mind blowing to me. That's a thing. I mean, like Colorado's not that. And you're probably like just as south as we are. It's just the altitude probably, right? Yeah, and I mean, and I'm like 25 minutes away from the foothills, about 30 mm. minutes away from the foothills. So any weather that the that the mountains get, and they get, I mean, they can get snow up until May. Wow. Um, any any like things that happen in the mountains comes right down to us. Obviously, it's less severe, but like if they have a big winter storm today, we're gonna get a little bit of that down here. So Dude, that sucks. That does suck. But. Reese, if, if uh, from our Patreon money, if we have any left over, I'll buy a snowblower and I'll just like, none of this is going to matter. While you're there, you know, 80 degrees going crazy, that extra money we get from Patreon I can use to to snowblow. I also like now being a new homeowner, I, we, we got to make sure that our driveway is shoveled before like 7 a.m. or else we get fined. I was going to say, do you have an HOA? 
I don't have an HOA, but we do have regulations in the like neighborhood. <sighs> Dude, that's so like I, we have to adhere to it. I have to have a certain type of fence. So things get expensive, man. So if people want to donate to this podcast so that we have money to pay these expenses and maybe I have any left over for all these like HOA rules, where can they find us on Patreon? And more so, where can they find us on social media? Reese? Well, if you want to help fund Armando's living situation, because it sa- just so- <laughs> sounds like an HOA with extra steps. Dude, fe- and fences are so expensive. Good lord. Oh, dude, it's 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 incredible. So it's uh, first off, check us out at Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM. <laughs> You'll get access to bonus episodes, outtakes, and exclusive mini-series, including Speedy and Angry, our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise, in which the rad Russian Alex Nikolenko and I just recorded Fast 9. It's still in the editing phase. It's been a busy week, but uh, we are in the penultimate episode of that. You want to check that out at patreon.com backslash F-C-S-M. All right. Thank you, Reese. Okay, let's let's move on, Reese. So, like I said, the NFL draft is going to be in Kansas City at Union Station. We're so excited for it. And before before all that happens, there's so much leading up to it. Um, more so, Travis Kelsey uh, looks like he has some news. But before we get to that news, Reese, you and I forgot to talk about Travis Kelsey's Saturday Night Live debut. Reese, give us uh, out of a one out of ten. How would you rate Travis Kelsey's performance on Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago? Um, I mean, overall performance, I would give it a. We talked. You said one out of ten, or we giving it a, a, a letter grade? Yeah, one one out of ten. We're doing beer 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 review style. Okay, one out of ten. It was probably a flat seven. If we're gonna judge on the athlete curve, it was probably like an eight point eight, maybe eight point. Yeah, eight point eight on the athlete curve. So. I thought he did. I thought he did well. There were some sketches that stood out to me. Like obviously, uh, you know, one gets talked about a bunch is like the straight best friend energy one. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought the that one. Was funny. I thought the one where he was like the Rex Quando self defense teacher was actually a little underrated. Um, yeah, no, that was really good. But by and large, though, like Kelsey did well when the writing was good. Kelsey did not do well when the writing was bad. He was not able to elevate anything, and I think. There were some sketches that played to Kelsey's strengths as a human being that like the ones I listed. And then there were other ones that just didn't like the American Girl Doll Cafe one. Yeah, that got that, that, got, that was like creepy, but not funny. Creepy. Well, it was just stupid at a certain point. Well, here's the thing, though, is like it could have worked if you would have had that instead of being some weird dude in a pink suit and a blonde wig. If it was just straight up Travis Kelsey at the American Girl Cafe and people would be like, yeah, this fine. is kind of weird. What's going on? And then when they bring the security guard to come in and like bounce him out, he could be like, oh, "Okay, where's the dude? Oh man, you're Travis Kelsey. You know, like what's going on, man? You know, that kind of stuff." <laughs> yeah, no, it just it, it was it, it was it was just it got weirder and weirder. And it's like Kelsey's not the right guy for that. If it was like I don't know Christopher Walken, if it was like you know someone that is very strange, Kelsey's just not that guy. Like it, you you need a certain type of guy. For that to work and he is he wasn't that type of guy but also the the like the 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 jokes were just not very witty and they were just super creepy and i was like eh, i don't know about this one yeah An- another real stinker which is i mean it might be an all-time bad snl sketch was like a like garrett from hinge oh yeah the hinge one where yeah yeah where he's in bed with him dude that made no sense like it almost feels to me like that was <laughs> given to everybody like two hours before showtime because like everyone seemed to be reading <laughs> off the cue cards and like they didn't know the direction the sketch was going and it just seemed super weird I forget what that guy's name, but I actually really enjoy that specific like SNL guy. Oh yeah, um, I I thought it was kind of funny, especially when he goes into the bathroom and he was like, he was like, "Don't kill them," <laughs> you know, be 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 cool, be cool. You can do this, but then once he like was out of that mode and he was trying to be like a cool bro, it didn't really work. But like it was funny when he was he was in the bathroom by himself talking to himself. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a. Uh, but would- but like but like Kelsey didn't really contribute to it. It was really just like. His own thing just to... Because he's funny. But I, I forget his name, but he's he's a funny guy. Hold on. Okay, so uh, a few more things on Kelsey really quick on his SNL appearance. Yeah. But uh, what was the name... What's the name of uh, the Kansas City native who's in the cast right now? 
I don't know. There's a Kansas City person? Dude, th that's the whole reason why Kelsey was there. It's what's her name? The the redhead. Heidi Gardner. Yes, Heidi Gardner's from like Overland Park or something like that, or like uh Shawnee Mission. Really? Yes, like she she's been like begging well, to she was only in one skit with him. No, she was in like every skit with him. She was really? she was in the Garrett one. Oh, she went to Notre Dame. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean like the the like grade school Notre Dame. Oh, the grade school. Oh, that's totally different then. Yeah, that's cool. In Missouri. Let's see. Go figure. Yeah, she went to KU and then went to Mizzou. Dude, pretty, cool. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Anyway, yeah, she's been begging to get Kelsey on the show for a few years, so it's it's good they finally gotta make that happen. And like and like Kelsey did well. Like Kelsey like gave it his all. Oh, yeah. He wasn't like, you know, Patrick Mahomes reading off of like a state farm script. Like Ooh. he was legitimately trying to act and like he seemed comfortable. He didn't look nervous. Yeah, like there's, you know, you know, there's celebs that go on there and they're just reading the cue card and just like not into it at all. Like Kelsey was trying to get into it and like had characters for each one of the the people I thought. And I thought the funniest one was that commercial that they did with the straight guy. In the, oh, yeah. The straight guy commercial. That was funny. Did you. OK, but before we end this, did you see the the one that didn't make the show? Oh, with yeah. Creed Humphrey. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was solid. I That was funny, dude. It's like sometimes we have to be lifted up and thrown over a house, <laughs> which is yeah. It's I I totally get that being being a, a, a small dude. I thought that was pretty funny. Sweet. All right. So so Travis Kelsey gets uh average. So I said eight. You said seven. Yeah, I'd, I'd seven point five. Seven as if we're graded with everyone else, like a high eight. If we're gonna curve it for an athlete. Let's let's say uh, Travis Kelsey gets the Fountain City Sports Media seven point seven. Nice on. On his SNL debut, and hopefully he gets to do more because we'll be in the championship more and people will see what we're doing. Yeah. So, Reese, not only did Travis Kelsey, uh, not only was he on Saturday Night Live, but he's making waves in Kansas City. He wants to do a music festival during... Uh, during the uh, draft weekend. So I'm going to read off some of the headliners here for Travis Kelsey's Kelsey's Jam. Sorry, Kelsey Jam. And this is the inaugural event that's going to be held on April 28th at the Azura Amphitheater in Bonner Springs, Kansas. And this is going to host the following. Machine Gun Kelly, Rick Ross, DJ Duo Loud Luxury, and of course, Tech 9 Reese, are you pumped? Are you are you getting your tickets now and going to uh, going to the inaugural event so you can see the Kelseys and Tom Brady and you can kick it with Machine Gun Kelly? So anyway, uh, I thought this was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so uh, back to uh, Kelsey's SNL performance. Yeah. Um, no, good for Travis. I'm glad this is happening. This is the kind of stuff he should do. I'm glad he's giving back to the Kansas City community in this way, and like he really enjoys being a Kansas Cityan. I really appreciate that. Uh, I will just say this is not my scene, and I will uh, respectfully not be attending this festival. What about you? Would you want to get tickets if you were in Kansas City? Machine Gun Kelly is married to Megan Fox. I know, right? So that's cool. Do you know the story behind Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly? Uh, no, I've, I've heard a lot of stupid, like crazy stories about him and Megan Fox, but uh, not him particularly. Isn't he a YouTube? Wasn't he a YouTube guy? I mean, it's possible. I heard the only reason he does rock music now, if you want to call that rock, is that back when he was like a rapper, there it was like, what was it? Eminem's daughter Haley, like that Haley, posted some photo, man, like a great. It feels great to be eighteen, you know, going to college in the fall or something like that. And he tweeted back or something like that, like, "Yo, no disrespect, but like Haley's, you know, fire is something like that." And Eminem saw that and said something along the lines of, "Like, yo, I will freaking kill you." And Machine Gun Kelly was like, "Yo, real bro, no disrespect, you know, I look up to you, you're an icon, rah rah." And Eminem says something back like, I don't even know who you are. You better, like, you know, get my daughter's name out of your mouth sort of thing. So Machine Gun Kelly, like, did a diss track to Eminem. So then Eminem, of course, did a response diss track and, like, ended his life. So he basically went into witness protection and became a rock artist. Wow. Yeah. It's a big he, story. He... He diss tracked him all the way to the rock scene, huh? Why would you try and diss track Eminem? We've laid out the bounds here on Fountain City Sports Media. We'll come after almost anybody on social media, like except the Chargers social media. We will not touch that with like a forty foot pole. Yeah, no, they would destroy us. Yeah, yeah, and why? Yeah, exactly. You don't want to go against the best diss track diss tracker in 
in, in hip-hop history. There, it's safe to say Eminem doesn't have a ghostwriter when he does that. No, absolutely not. And I can't, don't quote me on this one. Like, I don't even think it was like a fully professionally produced diss track. Like, he was on, you know, like, Big Boy's radio show or something like that. And they, like, they laid down a track for me. He just, like, freestyled over it and just, like, murdered him. So, yeah. That's the story. Wow. But... Wow, I didn't know that. I've listened to one of his tracks because, like, sometimes when I listen to emo music, I still have, like, a weird thing with emo. Oh, yeah. I, I just like it. My, my sister loves emo, and, like, I grew up with it with her, so I was like... So sometimes I listen to it, and sometimes on Spotify, like, after I listen to the last track of, like, an album I'm listening to, it'll go to Machine Gun Kelly and his, like, emo phase or whatever. So that's the only thing I know about Machine Gun Kelly. But, look, it's going to be great for Kansas City. Uh, Rick, I actually like Rick Ross. I think Rick, Rick, Rick Ross is good. Like that, that's gonna be popping. And of course, like everyone loves Tech Nine. Oh yeah, I know. I, I'm actually surprised Rick Ross is in the headliner. Like I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, they got Rick Ross. That's pretty cool. You know, like he's he's pretty legit, isn't he? Yeah, no, Rick Ross is great. Um, and I think that's gonna attract like not only you know people from Kansas City, but any celebrity that's gonna come to the draft or any like NFL talent that's going to the draft is also probably going to be at this concert. So, yeah, it's great for Kansas City. It's great for Bonner Springs. Bonner, it's, Bonner Springs is going to be the most packed they've ever been. It's going to be the greatest. It's going to be the greatest day in Bonner Springs history. Whoever the mayor is should should grant Kelsey a Kelsey day that day. Give him a key to the city or something like that. But, yeah, don't take the 435 after 6 p.m. on the 27th. Don't do that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, it's just going to be crazy going from, like, downtown Kansas City down to Bonner Springs, man. It's going to be a... Oh, that's true. 435 is already the death trap. You don't need to take it when everyone's going from the draft to I don't Kelsey think I've Fest. ever been to Bonner Springs. Dude, Bonner Springs is past Overland Park. Who's going to drive all the way out there? Dude, it's a ways out there. It's got to be a solid, like a thick 30 minutes from Let downtown. Let me see. Bonner Springs to Union, from Union Station. Oh, it's not bad. It's about 26 minutes. That's way less than I thought. Yeah, but it's all highway driving, though. Gross. God, I forget how close everything is in Kansas City. Man, I miss Kansas City. Yeah, man, we miss you too. Um, damn. All right, so uh, if you're in Kansas City, everybody check out this concert because Reese isn't going to be there, so there's going to be extra tickets, so yeah. make sure you check it out. All right, um, so yeah, everyone check uh, check out the concert. That should be fun, uh, and we'll I'm sure we'll hear about it. I'm sure the Kelseys will will talk about it on their podcast. All right, Reese, let's do let's. So they're going to do something fun. Let's do something fun. All right, Kansas City fans. So like we said, this is a draft podcast, so we're going to do a mock draft here live on Fountain C Sports Media. What we're going to do is we're going to go on the pff.com. They have that mock draft website, and we're going to simulate all the way to the 31st pick where the Kansas City Chiefs have. And Reese and I have separate websites, so Reese is going to have his separate draft, and I'm going to have my separate draft. And we're going to pick who we would, if we were Brett Veach, who we would pick based on what's happening. And if there's anything interesting around the 31st pick, then we can talk about that as well. So, Reese, do you have that up? I do have it up. I'm in the war room. All right. Why don't you go first? And and then before you pick, tell us who's around that or when when you get to 31st. Tell us tell us who's there, and then make your pick. All right. Sounds good. All right. So looking at this here, uh, Bryce Young goes first overall. Will Levis goes second overall to Houston. C.J. Stroud. Wow. I'm sorry. Jalen Carter goes third to the Cardinals. C.J. Stroud fourth to the Colts. Yo, Alex, if you're listening. You'd love that. Congratulations, Alex. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. goes to the Seahawks. Uh, after that, we have Devon Witherspoon going to the Lions. Anthony Richardson to the Raiders. Yes, please. Wow. Um, that would be. Let's see. Wait, yes, please, as a Chiefs yeah, fan? Yeah, dude, they're, they're literally doing Jamarcus Russell 2.0. It's going to explode in their face. It couldn't be, like, any more perfect. But but, but, but they actually have Jimmy Garoppolo, and, like, Jim, Jimmy can buy them a year or two. Dude, they're, like, the exact... I would, I would personally, I, I would hate if Anthony Richardson went to the Raiders. I Unless it was Will Levis, there's not another quarterback I'd love to see more at the Raiders. Um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So... So after Anthony Richardson, we have Quentin Johnson going to the Falcons, Peter Skronsky going to the Bears, which is, you can just see Skronsky in a Bears uniform. Uh, Tyree Wilson goes to the Eagles. Jackson Smith Jigba is off the board. Uh, let see. Lucas Van Ness goes to the Jets at 13. Wow. Dalton Kincaid goes to the Patriots at 14, which is fantastic. Oh, I'm sure he's looking forward to doing nothing but blocking while he gets overthrown by 10 yards. <laughs> uh, let's see where we are. Let's just catch back up, resume this draft. 
Uh, we got seven more teams picking before us. Will McDonald, the fourth, goes to Jacksonville. Uh, Dallas is on the clock, and they choose to self-implode. Oh, my gosh. One guess who goes to the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> B. John Robinson. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Dude, it's meant to be. <laughs> it's meant to be John. Take that, Buffalo Mike. <laughs> All right. Pick 28, Cincinnati Bengals on the clock. They select Emmanuel Forbes. I don't care. Uh, Zay Flowers, nuts, goes 29 to New Orleans. Now the Chiefs are on the clock. So here's what we got. We got Michael Mayer as the best player available. Uh, Best edge available is, I'm so afraid to say his name, Felix Anadike Uzoma. Yep, Uzama, yeah. Uzama. um, Oh, Tanner McKee's still on the board. Should we take him out of Stanford? No. No, this is is tricky. This is tricky. Um, Why is Tanner McKee ranked 37th? Dude, I have no idea. I have no idea. So, A.T. Perry is still here, which he's tempting because, he again, he's a big body. He could play X, but he's got some pretty bad hands. Um, Who we got an edge? Because I know we need edge. Yeah, Uzama's Uzama. still here. Um, Josh, no, he's not edge. B.J. Ojolari. Ojolari. Yeah, he's here. I'm not sure I like either of those guys per- personally. Um, with tackles. Edda Baware. Interesting. Dewan Jones is still here, as is Matthew Bergeron. Uh, the only trick is like, I don't think either of them are like surefire enough gets to be a first round pick or even like a high. I think I see him as like value second or third round picks. Man, but do you take a tight end in the first round, dude? Michael Mayer. I don't think you do. I don't think you, Ooh. dude. Kelsey was well, a third round the, pick. No, this is this isn't this isn't who you think Brett Veach would pick, but this is who who would you pick, Reese? Well, I, that's why I'm Beach. I'm stuck here. Is I really don't know. Um, like if you like like knowing <sighs> you know I knowing your philosophy, Reese. If if you're doing the like the like New England Patriots philosophy where we're just recycling players and keeping the top you know five players. Factor yep. all that in too before you make your pick. Oh my gosh. Uh go, 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 go. I can't take Matthew Bergeron in the first round. I'm taking him off the board. Dewan Jones is high up there. I was really hoping Zay Flowers was gonna drop, to be honest. He really fits the system well. You know what? I think we go Dewan Jones. We take him, uh put him at right tackle and put Jawan Taylor. <laughs> On the other side, I think that's what we're going to wind up doing. All right, all right. I I have no I have no qualms with what you just did, Reese. Do you know why? Why is that? Because I also like pressed click as you clicked yours. Yeah. And as I look at my draft, same thing, dude. Really, Dewan Jones, thirty-one for me as well. Yeah. So it it's pretty much the same, actually. I guess. I guess uh, PFF's not as random as we thought. Although sure. a lot of the top ones are different, but I mean they're taking all the top ones. Very interesting to see um, um, to see Darnell Wright. I have Darnell Wright going twenty-one to the Chargers. Really? I, I have Darnell Which, Wright going to the Chargers too. Weird. Actually, you mentioned it. Weird. And like I haven't seen Darnell Wright go go that high before yeah. on other mock drafts like legitimate mock drafts so it'd be interesting there's actually a lot of uh, offensive tackles that have gone off the board on mine like Skronsky like we said we I have Paris Johnson going to the Patriots I have Anton Harrison going to the Bucks Darnell Wright going to the Chargers Broderick Jones going to the Jags um so I kind I kind of like Dewan Jones here as well and I know that some people in Kansas City won't like it because Dewan Jones is similar to um, to Orlando Brown Jr., this big, non-athletic guy, but he's a mountain. But at the same time, my argument for Dewan Jones is that he's going to play the right side, not the left side. And the reason why we didn't like Orlando Brown Jr. is because Orlando Brown is on that left side, and you have to be athletic. And he just did, he doesn't fit that mold where, like, Dewan, or sorry, um, Jawan Taylor fits that mold on the left side. He's very athletic. So I don't know. It just like I think people I don't know if Kansas City fans would be upset if we took Dewan Jones at 31. But I feel like if they understand that, like, it's OK to have a mountain man on the right hand side. It doesn't have to particularly be, you know, very slim and limber and like have to be athletic. But if we have someone that size, that's like a freak athlete 
and has the hands that he does and like has proven to do very well against elite talent when he played in Ohio State like I think he'd be great at 31 so Reese I'm doing the same thing at 31 Dewan Jones from Ohio State then then solidifies that line man and then and then maybe uh we get at perry i i also like at perry reese but i think we can wait for at perry in the second round or we even move up maybe the early second round to get at yeah it's possible i think there's a lot of good guys on the board uh i actually think I, at least going off my draft which i assume is kind of similar to yours i could see the chiefs actually moving up if this is the way like the cookie crumbled in the first round of reality either like Either moving up or trading out of the first round. But would they trade out of the first round when it's hosted in Kansas City? That's another hot topic. <sighs> they they would Kansas trade City. up. They would not move out of the first round. They would trade up. They'd make a splash. They'd, they'd be okay. someone in this instance. Who who would you trade up for? Give me or or you don't have to give me a name, but give me a position we would trade up. for. I think they would trade up for Darnell Wright. If if he would if he was Man. still there in the low twenties like he was in our draft, I think they would trade for him. I think. He's 6'6", 335. He's built and plays more like Ugh. that prototypical reed tackle we were talking about. It's like it's yeah. like we got a big anchory middle of the line, but we need now we're dudes on the edge that can keep guys from just like blowing around the corner getting the pat in two seconds. So I, I think I think they would trade it for Darnell right if he's still there in the early twenties. I'm you know, like we've talked about this before. I I am very conservative and think that we should definitely build, you know, in the trenches and love that. But if we are to move up, I think we're moving up for like an elite wide receiver. Really? Like if like if Quentin Johnson's Ooh. there or um Jackson Smith and Jigba, like if if they're there in the middle of the rounds and no one's taken him yet, I can totally see, you know, Brett Veach going, let's let's do this. Or like the Hunt family goes, Hey, this is this is our draft in Kansas City. Let, let's make a splash, my man. I think that's the biggest splash that we would we would make. I don't know if there's any unless Unless one of the corners falls to us, uh, and this was something interesting that I've been thinking about as well. I know you brought it up. We're like, we have another year of Sneed, but if if a, like if if a elite because the the corner we we didn't talk about this with Sam, and we can for next week or whenever we have him on. Like the 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 corner class is pretty stacked, and if we get a corner like a Joey Porter Jr. Um, or like a Deontay Banks. I don't think we can get Christian Gonzalez, but like one of those, one of those like elite guys, or even Emmanuel Forbes. Even if we get a guy like that, I feel like if they do well, we can we can move on from Snead and have a guy next to next to all those rookies cheap. Here's my counter argument to that because you make a good point, but I think that we don't need an elite corner right now. Whereas if we don't get another like very good tackle or wide receiver, things could get ugly this year. I think I, I yeah. think we kind of rolled the dice and we wound up playing a weak hand pretty well last year. I'm not quite sure we're going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle in either of those positions for a second year in a row. So that's my two cents. Yeah, it's true. No, no, I think I think you make a good point. And honestly, like if this draft was not in Kansas City. I think the smart move would be to trade down. We get a high two and then we can get like a sneaky elite, you know, edge rusher or a sneaky elite wide receiver. You know, someone drops to us and still get a guy and on tackle. You know, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of options and that's why we got a couple more weeks to talk about it. Reese, we got We got a lot more time to talk about it, but Hey, both Reese and I, we did a mock draft and both of us chose Dewan Jones. Welcome to Kansas city. Have fun at the Machine Gun Kelly concert. Have a have a beer on us. Speaking about beer, Reese, I'm getting thirsty, so why don't we close this segment up? Let's crack open some beers and let's do a beer review. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. We uh, just did a great segment on uh, Dewan Jones. The next right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. And now we're going to celebrate with a beer. And Reese has a beer for us to review. We're going to forego This Week in Craft Beer. For those of you just joining, we normally do a, a This Week in Craft Beer, meaning that we, we talk about kind of the main storylines uh, in national craft beer or, you know, whatever's happening in craft beer. But today we're going to keep it a little short. We're going to go straight to the beer review. So, Reese, without further ado, what are you going to be drinking for us today? So as I pontificate on this beer that I, I'm about to crack open into, uh, 
you know, I've been talking about this and I kind of did this hit towards quarter four of last fiscal year in which I kind of went back and I reviewed some of the macro breweries that have been around for a while, you know, but are now just kind of in a different tier and playing a different game than a lot of the, you know, the breweries right around the corner from us, even ones like Treehouse, you know, Prairie, all those cool guys. So I was at the beer store the other day and I picked out a mix six with my wife as is custom, which is totally fun because she's so good at picking out these beers. And she said, well, why don't you get shout out Noel? shout out Noel?" And she says, well, why don't you get another like six pack of something that's just like an easy don't think just drink beer. So I'm like, OK, where's the Montucky at? And she goes, oh, what's that? Didn't you say you used to like that stuff? And she points to a six pack of canned Deschutes fresh squeezed IPA. The OG, dude. The OG. Uh, I didn't even know it was canned. I, I Oh, love, love fresh squeeze. So. Yeah. Yeah. So here's one thing I want to talk to you about. We can talk about some more in a different episode, but I think it'd be kind of cool to go and make kind of like a hall of fame for like the beers that made us, you know, the beers that made craft beer. We've talked about oh. how like Fat Tire got a rebrand and how they're still plugging wrong. Voodoo Ranger is a thing. Uh, unfiltered Wheat from Boulevard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sierra Nevada. So, I would like to make this like the unofficial crack into uh, making maybe the beer hall of fame. And we'll just uh, see if this guy still holds up. Dude, un unquestioned as you as you crack that open, the uh, shoots fresh squeeze is like the reason why I love hazy IPAs. Just a solid beer was like one of the first to be national distro. There was like a myth and lore that they would like put something secret in there in order for like it to preserve itself. Before I was in the craft beer industry, that was like something that I believed. I was like, do you you know? Deschutes Fresh Squeeze has this like secret thing to like make the beer still intact because it's really hard to make. Little did I know that no, it's not hard to make, and it actually has a bigger shelf life than than like a West Coast and a Pilsner. But uh, the true OG man, oh, I can't wait for this. All right, so Reese, just pour this into a glass. Um, for those of you that haven't um, been on the, or haven't listened to our podcast before. Uh, just follow along. So we're going to rate these beers in different categories, and Reese is going to rate them from 0 to 10. And the first category, ladies and gentlemen, is appearance. So Reese, pour them into a glass. Reese, let us know what that looks like. So it's definitely a uh, semi-translucent goldenrod color. Uh, I got some sediment floating at the bottom. Uh, a big foamy Oops. head, about an inch tall. It was funny because I, I didn't pour this for a head, and like the head was coming, so I had to like slow down. But yeah, it's kind of a rolling. It's good. It, it almost. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, it almost looks like a topographical map of the region in Bend, Oregon, where the shoots would be. Uh, <laughs> you know, it looks very refreshing. Not seeing a whole lot of carbonation in the glass, but it looks like a West Coast IPA. It makes me want to drink it. So I'm going to give appearance on this uh, 7.8. 7.8. Great. Yeah. And like fresh squeeze, even though West Coast. It, it drinks so much like a New England, but it I mean, look at the style. It's West Coast. It's American IPA. Like, and that that's why it's it's just the perfect gateway drug into uh, into hazies. Well, and something we can get into. I've never had it, but they did a hazy variant of Fresh Squeeze. You know that? Really? Fresh, fresh yeah, squeezed like, or something? Uh, I'll look it up. It's like straight up Fresh Squeezed Hazy or like Hazy Squeezed or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I haven't tried it. Now I'm, now I'm thirsty for it. Actually, as you said, Montucky, yeah, I, I really shouldn't have any more beer because I'm trying to I'm trying to cut down on on my beer belly. But I <laughs> kind of want a Montucky right now. Dude, do a Montucky. Do it feels good, man. Uh, f I'm going to do. Whoops, I can't say that. Well, oh, well, I said it. Dude, he'll be back. He'll be back. Anyway, while Armando's off getting his Montucky, uh, it's it's very funny. Beer Advocate still has Deschutes Fresh Squeeze rated as a 94 online. Which means, you know, this is a beer that holds up to the test of time. The the hazy variant of Fresh Squeeze, they have it rated an 87, which is, you know, it's a solid. 87 is a solid grade. Uh, but, yeah, That's baby. That's a great grade, yeah. I'm looking forward to taking a sip in this bad boy. Just took a sip of my Montucky, which is pretty old, by the way, but still tastes great. Yes, sir. Oh, it tastes so good. All right, dude. So why don't you, uh, oh, we still have to sniff it. What, what's, what's the aroma on that guy? Aroma is the same as you always remember. I mean, it's, it's like bursting with fruit flavor. A ton of orange in there. A little bit of grapefruit action. 
Yeah, you, you get some dankness on the nose. I always kind of describe it as like a bit of like a honey rich sweetness to it. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting on there. It's it's fresh. It's not very astringent. It's actually a pretty mild smell compared to like some West Coast IPAs. So I will give Aroma on this uh, an 8.3. Nice, 8.3. Also, I was looking at the hop profile. I wonder how many breweries during that time when they created fresh squeeze were using citra hop because i feel like citra has now become the staple like hazy new england hop yep. and i wonder like not that they were the pioneers for citra but like who who else you know sierra nevada wasn't doing citra or you know any other standard west well, coast i so. imagine this is a beer that a lot of the macro breweries and even probably the micro breweries like tried to emulate at some point because i feel like oh this totally. was probably one of the og ipas that could get people into IPAs because prior to this, IPAs were just that weird, bitter, hot, bomby beer, and this is very approachable by contrast. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent. Um, all right, let's do flavor, our favorite category. Take a sip and let us know what it tastes like. Oh, yeah, that's still fresh squeezed. Bunch of orange on there, a little bit of pininess. I'm getting more kind of like grapefruit peel the more it sits. Yeah, that's that's really refreshing. I would say it's actually probably not quite as fruity as I remember it being. But the big question is, you know, I, I really haven't had this beer realistically in the last four years since I started working in the craft beer industry. So it's like, is my palate just completely shifted since? Or is it the fact that they have to crank out so much of this now that they have to kind of, you know, not cut corners in the recipe, but like make adjustments for like shelf stability uh, you know, just in yeah. batch quantities, all that stuff. Uh, I'll take one more quick sip. This would definitely, it's still a great IPA to get people into West Coast IPAs that are sick of hazy IPAs. It's not as sweet. You get a lot more of like the fundamental uh, bittery, piney notes that you would get out of a West Coast IPA without being too overwhelming. It's very refreshing. I will just say it's it's more mild of a flavor than I remember it, which is interesting to me but overall this thing is still very tasty to drink i'm gonna give it an 8.4 i mean it could be that you're just like smashing some calling calling ipas at boulevard so often that well i mean it, it's true it tastes like a little brother version of the calling it really does interesting all right cool uh reese now we have mouthfeel take another sip and let us know how it how it feels you said it's a little mild is it now mild on the mouthfeel as well uh, there's a little bit of sparkle on the tongue from the carbonation, which, again, surprising because you really don't see any carbonation going on in the glass. You get a bit of bitterness in the corners of your mouth, which really likens to the grapefruit flavor, you know, like you're having a grapefruit for breakfast in the morning. I'd say overall it's a pretty light-bodied IPA, almost a little bit closer to carbonated water, like a heavy carbonated water. Uh yeah, for being so easy drinking, though, I'll keep it up in the 8th category. We'll make it an uh, 8.1. Solid. 8's across the board. Then we have Aftertaste. Take another sip. Is it different, similar to what you did on the front end? You get some more flavors? The back half actually gives me like a little bit of a... I almost want to say like tropical fruit note to it. Like I almost say some kiwi, which I know is not really one of the notes from these hops. Uh, a lot of ruby red grapefruit there. Uh, aftertaste, I'm getting a lot of grassiness too, a lot of the earthiness, a lot of what I would call like the Colorado taste or the West Coast taste comes out there. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a bit, but it's great. It makes me want to drink another one. I think actually, yeah, the, the, the aftertaste is still as prominent as I remember the aftertaste being. So I'll give that a 8.3 for aftertaste. All right, eight point three on aftertaste. Yeah, the uh, shoes fresh squeeze is like one of those. If I had a six pack of it, like I would feel like pretty messed up, but like it'd be a fun messed up. You know what I mean? Speaking about fun messed up, let's do the last category: Stong's drinkability quotient. I don't know why I keep on saying our the former name. Uh, so Stong's drinkability quotient, Reese. That's how awesome is this beer? How does it make you feel? What's unique about it? Is there you know, brings back memories. What what do you think? Stong's drinkability. You know, I would say the the best part about this beer 
is that it does bring back a lot of memories of just getting into craft beer. Those those gateway craft beers you tried where suddenly beer didn't have to taste like beer, so to say. And I'm even, you know, deviating farther away from things like Blue Moon. I'm talking this was a full-on craft beer. It's nice because because this is mass distributed now. Mass mass distributed. There we go. That you know, this is the kind of beer that I would go to up down. And they're like, yo, beer specials, you know, anything from like the third column, you know, cans are five bucks. And you look, and you're like, oh, crap, the shoot's fresh squeezes in that column. Yeah, dude, I'm going to like throw back some fresh squeeze tonight and play some Mario Kart. Sounds great. Totally. Uh, so I, I think it's it's standing the test of time, although much is the equivalence in sports. And you're seeing it a lot nowadays with like particularly NBA with like how talented people are. They're like, yo, were the people in the 90s really that good? And you're starting to see some of like the second tier 90s players phased out in these like all time top 50 lists. You know, like does Dominique Wilkins still make the top 50 now when you have all these players? It's like, eh, probably not. But like Dominique Wilkins was really important and played a big role. He just might not be a top 50 player anymore. I think that's what Deschutes totally. Fresh Squeezed IPA is. It's it's still one of the best mass produced macros on the market. And you're really hard pressed to find a better one. But in the grand scheme of IPAs, the style has evolved so much. There's so many terrific options to be getting at your local breweries that could be more small batch and packed with more flavor that this is still one I would recommend to people wanting to get into IPAs or introduce friends to IPAs. But, you know, this might not be an IPA drinker's IPA anymore, which is totally fine. You gonna say something? No, I was just say I, I I agree with you that like the IPA lovers palette has evolved from from Deschutes, but I think any IPA IPA lover or like an enthusiast will always nod to the father Deschutes Fresh Squeeze. Absolutely, and as it's warming up a little bit, the flavors are cranking up a little bit more. Still not reaching those heights I remember, but again, that was four or five years before my palate was absolutely destroyed by craft beer. So, Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. Uh, Armando was talking emo music earlier. I'm going to talk emo music and say thanks for the memories. This is probably an 8.8 Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. <laughs> Excellent. Even though that wasn't so bad. 8.8 on Stonk's Drinkability. Fall Out Boy's emo. Yeah, Fall Fallout Boy's totally emo. They were like mainstream. Fall Out Boy is to what? emo music what Deschutes is to craft beer <laughs> boom that's crazy yeah I guess that makes sense I don't know sometimes I guess now because Fall Out Boy is like very mainstream and like almost pop I'm just like we're going down and we're going down but we're going forward Reese because we're going to end this podcast we're going to talk about some top 30 visits that came to Kansas City and we're going to pick which one of those might be coming to Kansas City so stay tuned squeeze one of the ogs the fallout boy of ipas um they went down we go up here we go reese we're gonna talk about the top 30 visits or sorry top 30 kansas city visits so for those of you that don't know what the top 30 visits are um nfl teams are allowed to bring 30 players in to work out private workouts it can be anybody so I'm going to read off some of the people from this list, Reese, and I want you to pick who Kansas City is going to bring, who from this list, it, there's no smoke screen, this person for sure is coming to Kansas City because they visited. And you can pick multiple people too. So I'll, I'll run by some of these pretty quickly because uh, they're not like big names, but they're important. So uh, I'll go in order of when they visited. We have Tennessee linebacker Jeremy Banks. We have Appalachian State Offensive tackle Cooper Hodges. We have Western Kentucky's cornerback Khalif Halasi. I probably said that wrong. We have TCU's wide receiver Quinn Johnson. We have SMU's wide receiver Rasheed Rice. We have South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith. Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. UNM safety uh, Jarek Reed II. Stephen F. Austin edges BJ Thompson. 
another Western Kentucky uh, defensive tackle, Broderick Martin. We have Pittsburgh edge, Delzin Alexandra. And that's it. You know, I'm seeing a lot of group of five slash FCS schools here. I mean, we're talking about Stephen F. Austin. We're talking about Western Kentucky, uh, SMU, App State, those kind of guys. I think those type of players tell me there are people that Chiefs are kind of interested to be like, are these some diamonds in the rough that we might be able to snipe late second, early third, maybe even fourth round if they're still there and they drop. The two that stick out to me again, though, is the fact that, like you said, we brought in Quentin Johnson and we brought in Darnell Wright. Uh, I think I almost want to stick to my guns even more to what I said about if the draft breaks a certain way, I think the Chiefs are going to flex and trade up and they're going to want a big name signing. I think if Quentin Johnson is somehow still on the board after like 16, I think the Chiefs will make a phone call and try and jump around 18, 19, 20, depending on where the teams are sitting to hop up and get Quentin Johnson. Because like, you want to have some guy and like just set him up for success. Dude, if you jump up and draft a stud wide receiver when your team needs a stud wide receiver, when the draft is in your hometown, Ooh. he's going to be set dude, up. Machine, Machine Gun Kelly is going to be forgettable after that. Dude, we're talking about Howitzer Howie with this right now, man. I mean, he would just be like a folk legend if he wound up panning out. I mean, like double points if he survives to a second contract and we can afford him. So I think realistically, if we jump, it'll be Darnell Wright. But I'd love to see us jump and get Quentin Johnston. That'd be crazy. I mean, we we don't have a lot of time in this podcast, but I'd be curious if you like. Okay, so well, let's talk about it. let's talk about it briefly. So DeAndre Hopkins, it's now being rumored that he's going to be released from the Cardinals. Of course, you have to pay him, but now you don't have to trade for him. Would you be comfortable if if the if Kansas City found you know the proper amount of salary to sign him? Would you be okay doing that over signing any wide receiver in the first couple of rounds? Yes, because I still think Hopkins has gas in the tank. He's never played for a good organization. I mean, Texans were a dumpster fire. Cardinals have been a dumpster yeah. fire. I think, you know, injuries are not. I mean, we saw it with Kadarius Toney where, yeah, he was dinged up throughout the back half of the year, but like he had mostly been elaborating or kind of exaggerating some of his injuries. And I feel like D hops the same way that it's like, oh, wait, I'm playing for the Chiefs now. I can win a Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, I can play through it. Oh, yeah. You know, Hopkins. I mean, yeah, other than the like PED thing, anything that happened in the Cardinals was like it was it was Colt McCoy for most of the season for for Hopkins. last. Yeah, year. I will say if they do get Hopkins, though, they have to like stop tiptoeing around it. And next year they have to draft like a stud. This is a future wide receiver one because will be one less year of Kadarius Tony, one less year of MVS, and like halfway through Sky Moore's contract. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. I think seeing the seeing the tape, I think Kansas City also sees the tape. Darnell writes the real deal. And I, you know, he's the type of guy, like you say, if we do move up, it'd be great for to like get him. I just think that the offensive and I've said this on the last podcast as well. I feel like offensive tackle, left or right, is just so stacked. I feel like Darnell Wright's just going to drop because Darnell Wright doesn't have like all the intangibles that maybe uh, Broderick Jones has, a Paris Johnson has, Skaronsky has. But like if you watch that film with him against Alabama, he he shuts them down. Like he shuts down Will Anderson, and Will Anderson is is probably the best pro- prospect in in the NFL draft. So like I'm just so I would be so excited if and. And like Andy Heck and Andy Reid are the people that can bring that out of Darnell Wright consistently if we see it, right? I don't think we saw that from Lucas Niang in college. I don't think we saw that from uh, from Prince Tego, you know, Winogo. I don't think we saw that from Darius Kennard. So, like, because we see these things that are, like, amazing and spectacular from Darnell Wright, it would just be so great to get him. So that's who I love immediately from the top 30. I also love Rasheed Rice. I think it would be great to get Rasheed. I've, I've done a little bit of research on him. Um, 
not great hands, not great route running, but he's the type of guy that can that can get up and get it. Like he's the type of guy that if you watch some of his film, he's the one-on-one making the freak like he makes those freak catches. We're talking like Justin Jefferson territory. But the reason why he's going like round two, round three is because like he drops the ball a ton. Yeah. He is bad route running. And he and he doesn't play, you know, he doesn't play great defenses. But again, if we can get a guy that makes those spectacular catches, makes those one on ones that can complement a guy like MVS, where MVS is more of a slot player, but if we can get, you know, one of those outside guys that can play one on one, that can be pretty exciting. Maybe he's not going to be wide receiver one in three years, but he's that guy that's always going to be that X factor, right? If we can if we can grind and and make uh, Sky Moore, a guy, you know, we can we can grind and hopefully injuries are okay for Tony. Then it'd be perfect to slot Rasheed Rice in. So I think Rasheed Rice is kind of sneaky on this list where I'm like, you know what? Rasheed drops to, you know, 60, whatever we have round two. I'd sign him. Yeah, I, I could see that being good. And he seems like the kind of guy, you know, who could fit in as probably like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Uh, this this article makes an interesting point, which I didn't realize, is that he went to Clark Hunt's alma mater, and as we know, oh. this organization likes picking up players from their alma mater, just like I like picking up loggers from alma mater on Southwest Boulevard. Hey, yeah, we got to get one of their guys on, man. I still haven't had any of their beers. So gotta try it's it. stupid good. It just is. You'd love it. <laughs> Speaking about stupid good, I think this was a stupid good podcast, Reese. I think we covered a lot today. We had some great topics, uh, rounding it out with uh, Rasheed Rice, starting it off with Travis Kelsey and Machine Gun Kelly. So awesome stuff. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the draft is only a few weeks away, so we're, we're going to have a lot of draft content, and then hopefully we have a stellar draft just like we did last year, and then we'll have more draft content after that. So stay tuned with us. Again, like us on social media, contribute on Patreon, and we'll see you again next week. Peace and go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.